Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 162 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a very, very fun episode. I know I say that every week, but this is an especially fun episode as we will be re- recapping. Uh, this is one of at least two, maybe even three episodes recapping our recently concluded uh, Toolshed prospect industry mock draft. That was a lot of fun with tw- me, Chris, 12 other of the sharpest prospect minds in the industry. And we have three guests on tonight, not at the same time, but we'll bring on one after the other. It's going to be a really fun show. But first, let's bring in my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much. It was fun. It's uh certainly feels like mock draft season in Welsh's P180P mocks right now. We wrapped up the tool shed mock, done some other dynasty mocks and all that fun stuff. So I'm gonna just want to draft now. Like I'm just have the itch to be in a draft <laughs> like 24-7. And so and at least this I don't I don't love mocks, but like for prospect stuff, I think it's helpful, like for content, but like especially like redraft like i don't want to mock for redraft let's just do a best ball and just do the thing but uh yep i think we're slowly picking back up more people from football baseball is getting in more full swing and i think especially like january one when the year you know turns over everybody's kind of back then after the super bowl everybody's back so yeah <laughs> we're getting more and more people into the baseball world so it's uh it's fun yeah, I think it comes in waves, right? Like you get, uh, I think December, right around this time, early December, you know, maybe your fantasy football team is, you know, not doing so hot. So like, all right, let me start thinking about baseball. And then January 1, you're like, all right, well, it's 2023 and football is over. At least fantasy football is over. You get that next wave and then Super Bowl, you get that next wave. So, yeah, definitely ramping up baseball here. Uh, it's always a fun time of year doing, I always try to like, Oh, I'm going to wait to do drafts. Then I just never do because I, you know, love drafting and mock drafting and everything. So, and this has always been one of my favorite exercises to do every year. Obviously uh, a lot of these uh, people were in our mock draft we did last year. So we had several kind of, uh, of similar people, but we brought in some new people here, some fresh faces, a lot of great names in this industry. So we try to get some new faces in every year. This was a lot of fun, and we'll get right into that. But first, let's get the usual housekeeping out of the way here. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both Chris and I and our YouTube channel for plenty of video throughout the offseason and into 2023. And, of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Best Ball Leagues are already open. And we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you're into. All right, let's welcome on our first guest to discuss this mock draft that we all took part in. He is the head of MLB Info at Underdog Fantasy, Mr. Brendan Tuma. You can find him on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. Brendan, how you doing, man? Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. And like I said, it was a it has been a very fun mock draft. A lot of sharp minds in that and. You're our first guest on this uh, recap episode here, so let's hop right into it. So you picked out of, oh yeah, you had the one pick, that's right. So we'll recap Brendan's 
picks here. This was again 20 teams, or not should be 20 rounds, 14 teams. Tuma out of the one spot here. Went Gunnar Henderson, Marcelo Mayer, Hunter Brown, Cam Collier, Rafaela was at the five, around five. Then Jordan Westberg, Miguel Blaise, Nick Gonzalez, Carson Williams, Kyle Stowers in round 10. Nico Cavadas, a lot of Red Sox here, I like it. Ryan Pepio, AJ smith Shaver, Austin Martin, Yaner Diaz in the 15th. And then last five, Leover Paguero, Moises Gomez, Evan Furt, Emmanuel Valdez, and Mikey Romero. Two more Red Sox to close it out. So very uh, Red Sox heavy, I like that. But right at the top, Gunner, obviously, this, it's almost a toss-up here. Gunner, Corbin Carroll. What uh, what played into you taking Gunner over Carroll there? Yeah, so having the 101 is obviously a lot of fun in a draft like this. To me, it's a clear top two. It's Gunner and Carroll. Those were the two that I consider. And I did get the question on Twitter, you know, what made you decide Gunner over Carroll? And I thought about it. And really, I could wake up tomorrow, and if we did this draft over and I had the 101 again, I could... You know, be in a mood where I say I feel kind of feel like I'm taking Corbin Carroll this time. For me, Gunner is just a little bit more of like my guy. And I feel when we're doing some of these mock drafts that we all like to, you know, develop our identities with some of these players. I felt I was a little bit early on Gunner the season in a way where I wasn't with Carroll. But man, the more I think about it with these new rule changes coming next year, I do think that there's a non-zero chance the stolen bases, if we see the fastest players in MLB get a huge edge. In terms of stolen bases, then Carroll could go nuts in that sense. But Gunner, the hit tool, the power, we've seen him have success in MLB already. You know, those two, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what the rule changes end up doing, just from the standpoint of, like, does it give the fastest players that edge? Like, to to boost, like, it's a 30 still guy become 50. Or is it more of a 10 still guy becomes a 15 to 20 still guy? So yeah. we just have so many questions about this, but... I do think Gunner's going to run some. I, Gunner's a pretty interesting, and so I, I think he could you know, steal a few more bases than we expect. And plus, I'd bank on his power over Carroll's, and I think his hit tool is a little bit underrated. So I think you're going to get a really solid year from him. And I like both. Like you said, they're both probably a tier than their own. One yep. and two, and then after that, it's like three to nine for me as a <laughs> tier. Like you can go any direction you want with those. As far as prospect rankings, so yeah, it's almost like nitpicking between yeah. Carroll and Gunner. There's no wrong choice. Yeah, it's and that's like that huge cluster where I've seen three through eight or nine ranked like every possible combination and order you can you can imagine. So uh, yeah, these two are going to be. I might I might say that Carroll has a smidge more you know pure ceiling than Gunner, but I also would say you know, I'd give this slight edge to Gunner on floor too. So it's like again, you can't go wrong with either one. I think they will be very good for a very long time. Gunner had a homer at Fenway last September that I'm still shocked. I, I have to pull up the clip or highlight and tweet it to you guys to make sure you can see it. But he goes dead center at Fenway and the crowd's reaction. It, I mean, it, it was legitimately crushed. Like his power can really play. I think I Chris, remember I that. Yeah, yeah, I think, it was I, think I remember that. <laughs> it was September for the Red Sox. So not a lot of people were watching, but yeah, uh, <laughs> not surprising. Chris, I was just listening to you on LC's, our good friend, the Wells, his show, Prospect One, mm -hmm. you know, talking about these proximity prospects, how they kind of get bumped up draft boards in these mocks that we're doing. Gunner and Carroll are so interesting because they're not just close to the majors. We've already seen them in the majors and we've already seen them have success. And when you add that on top of being blue chip prospects in general, it's, they're, they're kind of just like no brainers at the top. 
Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Because one, the debut aspect where we know they're going to be up, like there's, it's not even a worry about proximity because we know they're going to be on the roster opening day, plus the talent level. So it's just like they're almost head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. I think. So was that a approach of yours? Because you know your third round pick, Hunter Brown's another player that fits that. Did you have a general strategy coming into the the mock? Was it to go with some proximity guys or or Talk to us a little about what your strategy was. Yeah, I feel like for me in these prospect mock drafts, again, we're doing the Welshers as well right now, the P180P mock. So I typically try to always go hitter heavy, which a lot of us do, and particularly like hit tool. I definitely have a bias towards, you know, 60 or higher hit tool grade players who don't strike out a lot. I shy away a bit from the big power, but high strikeout rate type bats. And I just try to get as many of those as possible. I, I definitely look at it as a bit of building a team with these prospect drafts. This is going to be a dynasty roster that I was going to be leading. So I do want a little bit of balance in there. I want some safe bats, some upside bats, mix in some arms, but I kind yeah. of feel like that's the way I approach it. I was shocked actually to get, I consider Marcelo Mayer like the epitome of this safe hit tool should have upside if, you know, the body matures more as he gets closer to the majors. So start with Gunner and Mayer, I was ecstatic about. And then Hunter Brown, for me, is just a bet on the organization as a whole. I mean, can you go wrong with the Nationals pitcher right now? Not really. <laughs> and we, we, we've, we've talked about that, too. And, and I think Hunter Brown, when you look at just like the recent Astros that come up for on the pitching side, like Javier and, and Luis Garcia and Framber and all them, they were all, you know, solid prospects, but none of them were really considered like, you know, the high value blue chip guys. And Browns probably has the highest prospect pedigree at the, you know, comparative points in time of, the, of their career. So, and to see what they've done, obviously, we all know what they've done with, with pitching development. They maximize it better than almost anybody out there. So, yeah, I, I love Brown. I want to see him trim that walk rate just a little bit. But at the same time, like I said, Chris and I talked about him a couple of times in recent episodes. Like, the upside is there. He's the innings, kind of maybe he's in that Javier role this year where he still gets like 120, 130 innings and he'll have a ton of value. So, yeah, I love Brown. I was hoping to get him in this draft. I wasn't sure where he would go. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I love how you started. Like, I like, you know, a lot of the guys you got are, were, you know, got personal favorites of mine. I, I, I love Rafaela. Cam Collier obviously has a lot of upside there, too. Uh, and I, I just tweeted about Jordan Westbrook the other day. I think he's pretty underrated, too. So, I think you had a nice mix of like the upside guys with pro- you know some proximity to, and then some like the kind of like the buy low types with like you know Nick Gonzalez and and guys like that. So yeah, I, I really liked how your how your draft went. You know if but if you had if you had to pick one of your picks, like what was your favorite pick of your draft? Yeah, so I get my favorite ones. Were, I, I guess it's Mayor for him to fall to twenty eight. That's the answer. I'll use this as an opportunity to the pick your guys' brain. On Nick Gonzalez, I think that this time last year, these two second basemen, Nick York and Nick Gonzalez, we saw them going in the top two rounds of drafts like yeah. these. And I got Nick Gonzalez. It might have been like pick one fifteen. I'd have to do the math on that, but it was the end of the uh, eighth round. Yeah, so the... I think that's ninety nine. Yeah, and one twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. End Nick... of the not, that end of the eighth or not the beginning? Yeah, one twelve. Yeah, Nick York went two rounds before that, and I'm looking at the draft, and Connor Norby went in the late second, and 
to me, Connor Norby is kind of like this year's Nick Gonzalez, Nick York. He's done it at a higher level. So I think that that's kind of the mistake we made on Gonzalez and York last year was, yeah, they looked great. And we thought the hit tools were going to be really safe, but it was at such a low level of the minors. So yeah, I'm kind of curious, like your guys brain on that, like to get someone who was going, you know, top 20 overall last year to, to follow that much, regardless of what you even think of the bat, there wasn't any like long-term injury concern to go off that. I don't love the organization. They didn't have the best year, <laughs> but I, I thought it was like a value at that point. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and I think there's some issues with Gonzalez and, you know, they should hit high fastballs, a little bit too much swing and miss overall, but I think that was great value. I still think he's a, a back end. I think I have him in the eighties or something in my rankings right now. I'd have, to, I'd have to look, but I still think he's a top 100 guy. And I think that was a solid value. And yeah, maybe, maybe the average isn't, quite as high as maybe we you know once expected it to be but i still think he can hit like 250 260 with you know he's got solid power you know a little bit of speed as well maybe he's like a 2010 ish type of guy and i think that'll be fine from second base so i i do think maybe we did push him up you know at collectively as an industry a bit too high at this point last year but i do think he's a good value right now at that, at that spot for sure yeah i've seen him three separate times in three different stints like week-long stints i saw him last summer in high a when he was here in greenville and then last year's afl this year's afl saw him live and the the high fastball thing's been an issue i got a lot of pushback last summer i put it i put a video out and he couldn't hit like multiple times struck out 95 up in the zone and i got a lot of pushback people were like no that's not who he is and then it's funny because he took off after that like after that series is when he finished the year like insane and i was like okay maybe it was just a you know, I saw a couple bad games type thing. And then we've kept kind of seeing that. So it's concerning for somebody that came into the draft like as like the best hit tool guy in the class, I think. But there are still tools there, I think, in general. And I hope that he'll figure it out. Like this is a always been a high contact guy. So I if it all comes back around, like then 112 does look like a really good spot because like you said, he was a top 20 guy. So there could easily be a big return on investment. So I think the jury's still out, and I think 2023 will be a really big year for him. Yeah, uh, So moving forward, where was there any pick that you would do over? Like, if you had the chance to, like, take one back, would you, which one would it be? Yeah, so in terms of what I was referring to before, kind of getting, you know, your guy, or you really want to get our guys. Eric, it was actually the first time I met you in Portland in a Sea Dogs game, and Rafaela had just gotten called up recently. And I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what Rafaela is going to be long term, but mm-hmm. he, he is just bottle of energy. You know, he, he, at that game, he hit a homer and the way he rounds third base, like he's hyping up the crowd. He had just gone to Portland. Yeah. I, I was, I was blown away by his energy and his enthusiasm. And he plays gold glove defense already. He just moved to the outfield. So, I'm not positive it's all going to work out offensively for him because that's definitely the part of his game that he really needs to, you know, hone in on. But there's just so much athleticism there. There's such a joy for the game. I am a Red Sox fan, so there's probably a little bit of bias in there. (laughs) But I I think I reached on him a little bit early just in terms of like what I was talking about before. Like I could bear him at the 4-5 turn. I took him and Cam Collier. And Cam Collier, we haven't seen a lot of him yet, but he's someone, you know, who similar to what you were describing, Nick Gonzalez coming through the draft is a good hit tool guy. And Rafael isn't exactly that, but I, yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to see what he becomes. He's not someone I want to get carried away with right now, but he also hasn't been 
getting a huge, huge bump in early prospect ranking with this offseason. Yeah, and he wouldn't have made it back to you. Like, I think you, if you wanted him, you had to take that pick knowing you weren't picking yep. again until 84. So there was, there was no way he was falling there. So you got your guy. And, you know, I was fortunate. I know y'all saw him. I was fortunate to see him at the beginning of the year before he got called up to double A's here in Greenville. He's, he's got such a high floor to make the majors because his glove's so good. He's plus at shortstop. He's plus in center field. He has a cannon for an arm. I'm not sure if you've gotten to see that, but like he, there was a play when they were playing Hudson Valley. I think Everson Pereira hit one and Trey Sweeney was trying to go from first to third and it was in the gap. Rafaela just hosed him by like seven steps, like to third. It was the best throw I've ever seen in the minors. It was absolutely insane. So yeah, he's a, he's a really fun name. There's some chase there, but at the end of the day, like the bat's intriguing. The glove's really, really good. So I like the pick. Yeah, Ra- Rafael was great defensively. And then what you saw, Tuma, with that energy, like that wasn't just like one game. Like he was like that the entire time he was here. I probably saw him, I don't know, 20, 25 times or whatever it was, second half of the season. But yeah, he and he, yeah, defensively is so good. I, I love the arm. The range is phenomenal. Best throw I've ever, while, while we're on that subject, I'll take it on a tangent, but best throw I ever saw was also at, it was Josh Reddick, former Red Sox project, played with Oakland, probably several other teams. In his career, uh, he was playing right field at the time and a deep fly ball. He was at least one or two steps onto the warning track and right runner at third tagged up. He and he just threw an absolute missile, no hops, no hops, missile right to the catcher and got him by a good step. I was like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, holy crap, that was insane. But yeah, I, I like Rafaela a good amount. I probably have him a bit higher in my rankings the most but yeah I, I think if you if you wanted to get them obviously that's that's the issue right being on the turn where it's like you have that big gap between picks i'm on the turn the back end of the turn the other side and the p180p mock that welsh puts on right now and i got i gotta start paying him off to put me higher in the i don't know if he does a randomized i'm always like one of the last three picks every year every year he's done this i guess slip him a 20 or something but yeah definitely to get, get your guy you had to do that there and I like I like that value. I think I think it's pretty solid value. Like I said, I like a lot of the, the picks you made here. But let's talk about some other picks outside of your own. Was there any other pick? Maybe we call it the steal of the draft. Like where one pick that somebody else made, but you're like, damn, that was a great value right there. Yeah, definitely. So when I started my off season prospect process, where we all finally just get a chance to sit down and not have more box scores come in. Every single night, I made this little thing. I, I made my all-prospect team. I, so I made a batting order of, you know, players who, if they were a top prospect, I gave them, you know, more of a chance to make the team, but it was also production-based. So if someone had a bad year, they, they weren't going to make the team. And anyways, when I filled out the starting rotation, Gavin Stone, just based on production, I, I can't, I had to be honest, I wasn't super familiar with him before going through this process. But based on production, he had a truly insane year. Again, similar to Hunter Brown, this is a bet on an organization. You know, I know the command isn't exactly what you want, but if there is a team that's going to figure it out, the Dodgers are on the short list of ones that I would trust. And I think that they've kind of, I don't want to, Ryan Pepio came up this year. And obviously the command with him was just like not there at all. But I don't want to say that that's exactly what Gavin Stone's going to be. But the stuff looks outrageous. I'd love to get, you know, some sort of stuff plus number on him from, you know, Saris or any, anyone else who has a pitching model like that, because I think it could be pretty good. And I think some of these guys, when you bet on that truly electric stuff, like DL Hall or another, is you kind of have this floor of depending on the type of league you're in, 
I'm playing a lot of head-to-head leagues where even like multi-inning relievers have value. So if that's what Gavin Stone ended up being, like that would be cool with me in those sort of leagues. But yeah, Gavin Stone's production this year, plus the fact that he's on the Dodgers, I definitely weigh that pretty heavily with the organizations that some of these guys are on. Yeah, for sure. And and Stone went in the see sixth round to Aram Layton. Uh, so that would have been pick 70, uh, one, two, three, 75. So yeah, pretty solid value. I love him and Bobby Miller. I think they'd be pretty damn good duo. And I think, and Bobby Miller went two picks later to Jesse Roche. So yeah, I've, I've seen those guys flip-flopped and I think this almost nitpicking between the two right now. So yeah, Stone's obviously huge, huge riser. He's in the Dodgers org. You got to love that. And you know, they've, they've really are one of the better player development orgs in baseball, especially with, with pitchers too. So yeah, I thought that, that was a pretty, I, I was going to maybe get him if he went back to, made it back around to me, which I knew he probably wouldn't, but that was my hope. But that's going to wrap up this segment with Tuma. Tuma, thanks for coming on. I want you, I'll give you a quick second here to plug everything you guys got going on over at Underdog. Oh yeah, if you guys are into, you know, baseball games, best ball we're going to have starting up soon. And then during the season, we have our pick em contest. We have, you know, a lot of player prop, similar games like that to use during the season. And yeah, I'm on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. And yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on. All right. We're going to take a quick break, come back with our next guest, which will be Drew Wheeler. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Now we bring on our next guest here. He is the beard wonder, one, the only Mr. Drew Wheeler. You can find him on Twitter at Drew is okay. And he writes over at Prospects Live. Drew, how you doing, man? Is it a cliche to say I'm doing okay? <laughs> you you are. I mean, hey, you got to look to the handle, right? Or the uh, the hashtag that I gave you, hashtag yeah. do, do the Drew. Yeah, you know, I, I I would say I'm doing the Drew, and the Drew is doing okay. It is. It's been a busy day, but I'm always glad to talk to two of my buddies, Eric, you and Chris, you. Good to see you guys. Good to chat with you about this uh, this hellacious mock that we did recently. Yeah, no, it's always good to chat with you too, man. And yeah, this was like we were talking before with Tuma. This was a a very fun draft. Obviously, a lot of sharp minds, and you know, we go from Tuma, who had the number one pick, to Drew, who was right in the middle of the round at pick, what was that? Seven? Seven. Seven. Okay. So we're basically right in the middle of the round. Drew started out with first five picks for him. He went very catcher heavy in this draft. How many catches did he take overall? Five, I think, or something I like that. I think I ended up at five. Okay. So starting the draft from the seven pick, he went Kyle Manzardo, then Francisco Alvarez, Logan Ohapi, Masataka Yoshida, and Emmanuel Rodriguez, six through 10. Ken Waldachuk, Henry Davis, DL Hall. Blaze Jordan and Edgar Cuero, 11 through 15. Gordon Graceffo, Kumar Rocker, Brian Wu, Emerson Hancock, Reese Olsen, 16 through 20. Andre Shaparo, Ivan Melendez, Kiner Delgado, Andre Silvera, and Simeon Woods Richardson to round it out. So again, a lot of catchers there. What was judged in general? Obviously, we knew it was going to be a, a very stout, you know, draft here with all these all these sharp minds. What was your general strategy going into this draft? It was this draft particularly, I think that my strategy was probably let's be splashy. And really the pick that I think best emphasizes that is Kyle Manzardo at seven. You know, he's a player that I think, especially in the industry, we're kind of 
acknowledging is very, very talented, but I don't think we're quite at the level of saying Kyle Manzardo at seven. That said, the contact is unreal. The power has been very present, probably more so than I guess I expected. And to the point that he's somebody that I wanted to plant a flag on. And so in, you know, I've I think I did that pretty well with, with seven. That seemed to be, yeah, seemed to be a, a topic of discussion, you know, after the fact and on Twitter, you know, Manzardo at seven, that was kind of a big thing. In, in drafts, normally I try to kind of supplement a win now. I generally am running a win now operation. So I want to have prospects in a cyclical nature. And what I mean by that is kind of burying ETAs to supplement the drafting and trading that I would be doing to, to keep winning or hopefully keep winning. I should say, I don't want to say arrogant but but you know round two and you alluded to it the first five rounds you know francisco alvarez was just sitting there and you know my ideal world would have been to go manzardo and then hit one of g rod painter or yuri perez but they all went alvarez is still sitting there and i just think that that was too far of a slide and especially in a room that i would consider what what did you say a minute ago it was a room full of very talented people i yeah. said well as sharp people I think I told maybe my brother or someone, I was like, you know, man, this is a room full of very sharp people and I'm also in there. So I wanted to make plays that I could be proud of. And Alvarez was one of those. I was really, really stoked to get him. Logan O'Hoppy, who I had at number 20 in my September rankings for Prospects Live. Overall, that's Prospects, just by the way. You guys can ooh and ah in your leisure time at home. He was still chilling in third round, so I took him as well. And then, you know, I think at that point, my draft shifted almost to vultures. You take what's left. You take the, the pickings there on top because if other people are reaching and pulling, there's, there's cream at the top that you could scoop up and throw in your cup. And so I had a very creamy drink eventually. And, and <laughs> you know, at a certain point, I just kind of melded all these things together because I wanted to take my guys. I wanted to plant flags. I wanted to be opportunistic, but smart. And so, you know. Another pick I'll throw out real quick is one that I'm sure is dear to your heart at this point, Eric, is Masataki Yoshida. Um, <laughs> yep. Jesse, of course, had to ruin my strategy in the group chat and just, yeah, can we pick MPP guys? Well, way to go, man. So I, it was kind of the oomph of Drew just coming in, just dropping the mic with, you know, Yoshida uh, bef uh, before Sanga even. But, you know, Welsh took Sanga a couple of picks before, but I loved Yoshida. I was really pleased with my draft. Like hearing you call it back to me, even, I was just, you know, I was like, man, this is a, this is a crew I would be really, really proud to say that I have. So. Yeah, and, and like you said, you had a lot of you know win now pieces. And you look at just like, I think it was what seven of your first eight picks are guys that could well, will be up or could like will probably could see Benzardo second half. Alvarez and Hoppy obviously will be up. Yoshida will be up. Rodriguez is the one that won't, but Walter right. will be up. Henry Davis could be up second half, and DL Hall should be up in what role? Who knows? But. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good win now pieces right right off the bat for you. So I, I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and you know people may think Mansardo's too high at seven, but you know I think after Gunner and Carroll, it's a pretty big tier of yep. guys. And Mansardo has done all the right things to push himself. I have him tenth personally, so it it's a fine range because I think you're looking at a. I know he's a first base only type, but look at the value that someone like Freddie Freeman brings who has that elite hit tool. Very similar to Manzardo. I think Manzardo is a 70-grade hitter. His zone contact rate was near 90% this year in the minors. Absolutely smokes line drives. Can get to that home run power easy. I saw him a couple games live this year and just that easy, easy power. Even to the oppo field, you, you love to see that. The plate discipline's elite. I mean, he walked 59 times, struck out 65. So a uh, near one-to-one -one ratio is insane. 
And I think the power is just a bit underrated when we we look at him. I think he's got easy, you know, 25 home run pop in the bat. So, you know, that's a great start, in my opinion. And across the board, I think you got some good values. Particularly love the Emmanuel Rodriguez pick. I, I've been saying, I think if he didn't get hurt, I think he's a top 25 prospect pretty easily across the board. Just the numbers on him were as good as the numbers are on Mansardo. I mean, Rodriguez's EVs are just through the roof, man. Just his 90th percentile EV was like 1066, which is just nuts. Like, and then the, the play discipline too. And people make point to strikeouts with him, but it's like, okay, he works deep into counts. Like, you look at it, I mean, he struck out 20%, 25% of the time, but he also walked 20 plus percent of the time. So I love Emmanuel Rodriguez across the board. There was a lot of good picks, particularly down at the bottom. I think there's some guys to, to really bank on that could take off. So overall, really like what you did there. Was there a favorite pick you made? I think you may have re- referenced a couple of them, but was there one particular one that you really loved more than the Well, other? first, before we get to that, you know, you guys make me, man, I love guesting on pods, man. You guys had all the stats. Y'all had it all together. And I just sit here and smile. And, <laughs> and that's, that, y'all do all the work. I love it. You know, and I love that you comped Manzardo to Freddie Freeman because Dylan White, who is a genius, if yes. you guys at home are not listening, follow Dylan White at the underscore arrival on Twitter. He's a genius. Very smart. Dylan Drew sent you. He actually comped him to Paul Goldschmidt on one of our pods for Prospect Live. And I, at that point, I just, you could see money signs in my eyes (laughs) and I just went nuts. So anyway, a favorite pick. I looked through the roster here and I really love two particularly. And um, I'll I'll call them both out because I can't pick a favorite child. Yeah, that's good. I have to pick a catcher. So Edgar Caro at one thirty four felt criminal, and especially in a room that sharp, I felt I felt on top of the world. And Brian Wu, who I've been kind of championing all year, and then especially after performance that I think I said was the best pitching performance of the AFL at one seventy five. Wu feels like a guy that's going to shoot up boards this year, and I mean that same thing could be said for Edgar Caro. He's obviously a catcher, so I'm all in on him just by virtue of his position. But, you know, I, I think both of those guys are picks that, if I could steal a term from Vangrass, picks to click in the next year. I think that it's just guys that you can take and then either watch their stock rise and you benefit or you flip them as their ascent occurs and as their stock grows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think one of my two favorite picks, I like the Aquero pick as well. That was a great pick. And, I, and go, to go back to it, I love the Emmanuel Rodriguez pick. I was gonna. I was targeting him later in that fifth round. I picked like what six picks behind you. I took ended up taking Edward Julian at, at that spot. But yeah, I was gonna. I had him right top of my queue. Was hoping he'd fall because I was. He was gonna be a, a fourth round target of mine until like a lot of other guys that I have ranked higher fell there. So I had to take them obviously. But yeah, Rodriguez and I even said that in one of my articles too. Like and then what Chris was saying about how he would be ranked so much higher right now if, if he had, hadn't missed half the season. So yeah, I, I love the Rodriguez pick and Quero as well. Because I love Quero, and I said this in my uh, my catcher rankings article, that is catcher prospect rankings article that just dropped to Wednesday on, on Fantex HQ, that I wanted to rank him higher among catchers, but there's just so many good catchers right now, I couldn't. So but yeah, he's definitely one where like, a lot of these guys are going to graduate, the Alvarez's, the Ohapi, so on and so forth. He's going to be like that guy that's going to be like, boom, he's in, in tier one, you know, middle of next year. Yeah, I love Quero a lot too. Drew, before we move on, I do want to ask you about your thoughts on Yoshida. Obviously, with we do have news tonight that he signed with the Red Sox, and you've seemed to be one of the higher ones on him. You said you'd take him over Sanga, correct? Yeah. So what is your expectation like coming over next year? I think, ooh, how high do I want to shoot here? <laughs> okay, top level, top level expectation. I'm going to say that he hits 
25 home runs with a 290 average leading off for the Red Sox has more, I'm going to say more runs than RBI, of course, if he's leading mm-hmm. off, but he's not going to not have RBIs. I think if, if the Red Sox can get 18 home runs, a 270 average, 140 combined runs in RBI, you've, you've made a, a, a steal. That's this fair. is, a, it's a world-class, and I've said this Chris, in our draft lobby today, I've said it on a tweet today, and I'll say it on a podcast today. I guess that's the spectrum. It's a world-class contact tool, plate discipline, not not a zero power. I think if I had to put a, a scale on it, I'd say probably 50 or 55 power, maybe. It, he's, a, he's a world-class contact guy. People, I, I don't remember where I read it, but people were comping him, like, said he was the Tony Gwynn of Japan. And I'm not going to say that. I'm not saying he's Tony Gwynn. Jesse... Jesse, and again, I can't quit talking about Jesse today. He he said that his cop for him was Dustin Pedroia, and I don't hate that. That's 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 pretty fair. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I see a little bit of Alex Verdugo. I think there's the mm. contact skills with it, but I could say Yoshida has a little more power than, than yeah, Shiro, I agree. but the contact skills are similar. It, roster resources project him to lead off, which I absolutely which, love. Oh, we we need we need him. We didn't we didn't really have like, Verdugo's not a leadoff guy. And we didn't really have. I think they tr- were hoping it would be Jaron Duran, but obviously that's not coming to fruition anytime soon. So yeah, getting a leadoff guy was absolutely crucial, and especially an outfielder too. So they kind of killed two birds with one stone with with this signing, so to speak. And yeah, I, I'm expecting a good, you know, a pretty good OBP and yeah, a good amount of run scored as well. Especially, hopefully, fingers crossed that they bring back Xander, maybe bring in another bat. Where like the guys behind him could be like Verdugo, Devers, Xander, and Story. That's a, mm. a pretty good uh, you know quartet there to drive you in. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I think you could be a very sneaky good kind of value for Yoshida there. Every team can't sign Trey Turner again, there, Eric. No, dude. Not to get on a tangent, but that Philly Philly lineup is going to be absolutely ridiculous. When say it, say it one more time, baby. Say it one. <laughs> oh my word, that is. Wait. Chris, anything to say about that, buddy? Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll remain quiet. Uh, it, right. it at least is going to be such a just a dagger fight. It's going to be, gonna be awful. Yeah, it's going to be that, that. That is a very fun division. The Braves just traded Justin Henry Henry Malloy, which hurts me. They really? got Joe, Joe Jimenez, which like I love Justin Henry oh. Malloy. That's really painful. To oh, I didn't see that. That must have been during Survivor. It literally has happened right now. Like oh, Chris, the, I'm sorry. That hurts. I love. I really like Henry Malloy. So that's a thing that happened today. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've already had two people tweet at me about it, <laughs> and then someone's like, "Hey, wasn't Malloy your top Braves dynasty prospect?" Yeah, yes, he, yes, what? he was. That's a little bit of a, a down, you know, not a lot of a huge sure. talent, but they just because they graduated them all to the major leagues, that's what happens. And they won a World Series. You'll take that. But yeah, he was yeah. the the number one guy, and you know, very underrated too. So good get for Detroit there. I, I like that mm-hmm. a lot. I, I don't know what your Braves are doing there, Joe. Really? You, you, do you like that, Chris? No, I hate it. Why? <laughs> I mean, how much is left on his con? Like, it's, I feel like he's been there forever. So, how much? Gotta be seven or eight more years, right, Chris? For Jimenez? This is Joe Jimenez. This is an anchor piece of the bullpen, baby. I'm pulling he's, it up right now. A, he's a one year rental? or Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a free agent after this, this oh, upcoming year. What a banger. It's, it's, like, it's the uh, cheap way out instead of signing a reliever. The reliever market is pretty it's insane so it's i insane. i understand that and he's dirt cheap but still it's like i guess this is a cost of business like looking at some of the values that pitchers have gotten like 
Oh yeah. Just nuts to see like Taiwan Walker get 80 mil. Like, yeah, that was kind of wild. I'm not mad at that signing, but I, I did second guess. What was it? Four years, 80 mil. Yeah. In that range. That was, yeah, that, that one made me, you know, I had to do a double take. Like that was a, a bit much. But yeah, that's the reliever market this year, obviously. I think the Jansen thing with Red Sox was yeah. it was a bit much, but I'm like, I was like, hey, that's kind of where the market value is at right now. So I, I don't hate it. I didn't love the value. I love getting him in. We didn't really have a closer, but yeah. Not, not to get on like a closer tangent here, but all right. All right sorry. Let's, breaking let's news. Back. Yeah, not, well, we, we had to go breaking news but... there. Joe Jimenez, Jimenez there. <laughs> and that's a wow. But yeah, back to the mock, the mock talk here. So we talked about some of your favorite picks. So. Let's go to the other end of it here. And, you know, after seeing how the draft unfolded, was there a pick that you might take back or maybe oh, I could have waited a few rounds on that guy or any uh, picks that you might regret or anything like that? Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we talked about Menzardo and how I think that people, you know, even myself, I second guessed it for a minute. You know, you look mm-hmm. at guys like Jackson Shorio, James Wood, Miguel Vargas, all studs take him after Menzardo. But, you know, we, we are talked about him. Menzardo's a stud and happy to plant that flag at all and at all. Anyway, I think my pick that I'm going to kind of nudge forward, even though, like I said, I love this team. I'm going to nudge him forward. It's Blaze Jordan at 119. And that's, it's kind of friendly fire. And it's only because I waited too long to take Jake Eater. And that is my favorite pitching prospect. And that's, that's saying a lot. I love pitching prospects. And Jake Eater just had Tommy John. I like Blaze. I had Blaze at 60th in my top 500 in September for Prospects Live. But I missed Eater because I didn't take where I wanted. I had Eater at the top of the queue for two or three rounds. And again, just, you know, wow, there's there's better value here. There's better value here. I think Blaze comes here. I think, and honestly, I remember thinking like, man, Chris is going to stunt me on Eater. I know Chris likes Eater too. And then I'm going to feel real bad because then I'm going to have to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> but, you know. It, it is one. Yeah, Arm Layton sniped us both. So it's a- yeah, Arm Layton. I don't know Arm that well, but he has good taste in prospect pitchers. He, he's very sharp. I think Arm's the most underrated prospect mine in our community, to be honest. I think he's phenomenal. I need so, to get to know him. Yeah. All right, Drew, we're going to wrap up with this last question. If I want to steal the draft, it can be anybody. We'll, we'll say not on your team, but one one pick that was you thought was just the steal of the entire draft. And that's kind of a lot looking across the board, but. If there's one pick you really love that you think would be a steal, what would it be? I looked up and down and tried to. There were so many teams that I liked so much. And as a a brief kind of thanks for you guys for having me on, I picked favorite picks of each of you real quick. Eric, I loved Roger Arias at 208. I think Arias, if I could quote my buddy Juicy Jensen from the Prophet (laughs) Blackstaff, Arias could be a top. 50 prospects had he played better in the DSL this year. He just didn't. So we're kind of going on what we expect. Either way, if what we expect, if we get 80% of that, Arias is a steal at two. Love that pick. Chris, I couldn't choose between Ben Brown at 257. Love that arm. Great, great system he's coming from. And, you know, I like the Cubs and what they've done with acquiring pitching lately. But I think I'm going to go with Tyron Locklear, 276 for you, sir. I love Locklear. Yeah, I'm with you there. He, I think, is kind of a bright spot after kind of your stud first baseman. Locklear looks like kind of what we were talking about here a minute ago. The guy that's going to kind of shoot up that ranking. I love that. But if I had to pick a favorite steal, I think it's got to be Matt Thompson taking Jackson Merrill at 53. That is potentially the best prospect in baseball as soon as, pause for dramatic effect, 
now, question mark? Depending on what metrics you like, Merrill is one of the most incredible players in all the minors. And if his AFL is to be believed, that those gains from the season are maintained. I think he made contacts 90% of the time, hard contact 80% of the time. And this is all stuff that I'm quoting from Tyrion Alexander, who is a legitimate genius again. That's, that's the whole secret to my prospect success, by the way, mm-hmm. is I surround myself on this prospect line staff of geniuses and like, I look smart. It's working really well. <laughs> but yeah, Jackson Merrill, it seems like the industry is up on him and I highly recommend anybody listening to this for whatever it's worth. If you can get him in your leagues, do it. You will not regret it. Yeah, I think Merrill's going to be one of the biggest risers that we see probably over the next, I guess this off season, he'll be one of the bigger ones. Yep. I think Lockler's going to be the steal of FYPDs. I mean, his metrics are just absolutely off the charts. We talk about, like, all this data. And I know, honestly, like, I began to recognize Locklear from Mason McRae. And McRae has hyped him up for a while, since, like, 2020, I think. But you look, and his metrics are just... They're they're better than Jacob Berry's. Like, Jacob Berry's a top-10 guy. and he it's just like i understand he played at a smaller school but like even against i think there's been questions about how he was against better opponents but against power five opponents he was a 289 413 605 slash and 82 percent contact rate against power five opponents 11 percent k 107.490th mile an hour ev and that's just against that's against the better competition so locklear hopefully uh, if you're listening you're not an fypd with me because i plan to get him late <laughs> Because he's he's awesome. So, yeah. I appreciate the kind words, though, Drew. And uh, thanks for joining us, man. It's always a pleasure. You are yeah. one of the most encouraging people in the community. You're so kind. And I always appreciate that. Just a genuinely good human being. And so we appreciate having you on the show, Drew. Thanks again. And thanks for participating. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the kind words in return. And I hope you guys have an excellent rest of your evening. And everybody listening, enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Anything you want to plug for you go? Well, since you asked so nicely, <laughs> I would love to plug the Prospects Lab Patreon where all of my work is. After $5 a month, you can get incredible tools that we're developing right there, including RoboScout, including our top 500, including a Dynasty Top 1000 that's coming very soon, including an FYPD Top 100 that's coming very soon. And if you're looking for things from me specifically, I have an article coming out about what I'm learning as I just made my top 500 for the first time and now doing mock drafts with you guys. And with Welsh and his crew doing my top tens per team after the season, what I'm learning, but probably the thing that people would be most excited to know is that my uh, kind of breakout piece, if I had to point a finger to it was Seiya Suzuki last year. And so I am working on something about Masataka Yoshida, about Kodai Senga, about Shintaro Fujinami, and that will be out hopefully before the new year. We'll see. So are you going to, you know, are you cheating on Seiya Suzuki with uh, Yoshida? Is he oh, in there? Absolutely no. not. No, not? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, Suzuki Suzuki still has far superior power. I'd say probably 80% of the plate discipline and contact skill. More present speed. He's handsomer. I could go on and on about Suzuki. And if we have another 30 minutes, I'd love to. But I think you have other guests, right? We do have other guests. But... Wow. <laughs> thanks. Again, thanks for coming on, Drew. Everyone can follow him at Drew is okay. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye, guys. All right. That was, again, that was Drew Wheeler. Definitely more than okay. But again, at Drew is okay on Twitter. We'll take another quick break. Come back with Matt Heckman to wrap us up. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back from the break. We have our final guest with us now. He writes at Fantrax HQ and will be writing at Pitcher List soon as well. Congrats on that. Mr. Matt Heckman joins us. Matt, how you doing, man? Thanks, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to join the Dynasty team over at Pitcher List. I'm looking Let's forward go. to it. Yes, Nick said we had some freedom to or had some freedom to potentially grab a few guys on the Dynasty team. So Matt's joining us and also Will Garofalo. That'll be a good one. And we've got some other guys that Nick's hired as well. So trying to get the Dynasty team really rolling and some good Dynasty content there. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. All the merry. Like I said, I love Dynasty content. I love reading others' content, see what other people think about it. I, I'm just, I'm a junkie, you know? Obviously, I love, I do all my content, writing, audio, you know, video and all that, but I'm just a junkie. I've, I've always loved Dynasty. Definitely more room in the community for a lot of there's a lot of great people a lot of very knowledgeable people so happy to you know see you get your chance there too and yeah it'll be a really fun 2023 of new people and new places and growing sites so it's be a lot of fun but let's hop right back into some mock talk here matt had the sixth pick in the drafts right before drew wheeler matt's draft here he started out first five picks for him anthony volpe taj bradley noelby Marte, austin wells and Brendan Fat, six through ten. This pick, I hate. I I'm very mad at you for this pick. Still, <laughs> as I was waiting, was letting this guy fall. I had him way way higher in my rankings. I was getting too cute with it. Oh, let's yeah, let's see where too. he can fall to. And then I waited a little too long. But six through ten, my boy Joey Weimer, Mick, then Mick Abel, Wilmer Flores, Jonathan Classe, and Warming Bernabel. Rounds eleven through fifteen. Owen White, Trey Sweeney, Wilkeman Gonzalez, Yasser Mercedes. And Ty Madden, and then 16 through 20, Logan Allen, Cade Povich, uh, Jose Gerardo, Cade Doherty, and Matthew Libertor. Maybe the fall of Libertor to the last round after being yeah. a guy that probably would have been taken first four or five rounds a you know, year and a half ago. But so very, I love, you, know, you had a great draft, and I said you snaped me on a few guys. I love your, especially the, the way you started, Volpe, Bradley, Marte, Wells. Love that. Obviously, the Weimer pick, too, and Mick Abel. I'm a big Mick Abel guy. But going into this draft here, did you have a, any type of strategy you, you were looking at? Me, you know, was it best player available? Or you trying to you know, go off your rankings, maybe let some guys fall, like I did with Weimer, but that backfired. But so what was your general strategy heading into this draft? Yeah, so I have my rankings. I have my top 300, 400 rankings. So I was really just looking for the best player available based on my rankings while also considering kind of how other people in the draft were drafting, which players were falling. I have Abel, I have Weimer. I have those guys way higher than when I, where I took them. I have Logan Allen, who I took all the way down really, really late. I want to say it was like round 16. Yeah, I have him way higher in my ranking. So I had a feeling some of the guys were falling based on the draft. So I was just going in best player available while also trying to get some steals on some guys if I thought the international high tool, high upside guys were starting to go. I kind of pushed them up my rankings a little bit, kind of let some of the pitchers like Logan Allen, Cade Povich guys, I have a little bit higher fade figuring I could get them later. I really, I wanted to try and stay away from first year player draft guys. I don't know. That was a strategy I was trying in this because it seemed like guys were pushing up a little bit just because they're flashy, they're new. It's always exciting to get a new guy who there's not a ton of data on, but you like the upside, you like his swing, you like his mechanics pitching. And so I think sometimes those kind of guys get pushed up a little bit more. And so I was trying to 
not reach for them, let them come to me if they did, and then just grab some of the values later on. Yeah, uh, you're, the top of your draft feels a lot of like guys I would like. So I'm a fan of, especially what you did at the top there. Brandon Fott, obviously, is... Love he's, Brandon. He's, Love Fott. I think he's the most underrated pitching prospect in baseball. And he's going to be up with the team and pitching soon. I mean, it's not only the stuff that's really good. He's a 70% strike thrower, which is command. So he's got great command of his pitch. Yeah, I mean, he had a his whiff rate on the slider and the changeup were both third high 30s insane i mean he gets good right at the top of the zone with the fastball it's deceptive it's only like 93 and a half average but it just it plays up so much more i think Fott's really underrated so yeah these the first i don't know the first seven picks are all like people yeah. i would definitely be targeting for sure and when, and uh, with, with, sorry real quick with with yeah, Fott, you, you know i just had this pop in my mind someone that i think was very similar at this you know that comparable stage of his, this person's career too, Shane Bieber. Yeah. 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 I think good, it's a great good, good command, you know, can miss bats with multiple pitches. I'm not saying he's going to be Shane Bieber, <laughs> but if everything clicks, you know, and he reaches the, you know, that high end ups, you know, ceiling, I think it could yeah. be a very, very good pitcher for a very long time. And yeah. you got to talk about Arizona's pitching development. Oh, absolutely. Brent Strom there. I mean, this is a guy that developed these Astro pitchers that were so elite, and you got to love to see that. And what he did was in two of the most heavy-hitting environments in baseball, in double and triple-A, and Reno and the PCL, like, those are not pitching environments, and he dominated. I know you can look past the ERA, whatever. Yeah, but right. The rest of the stuff was just so good. So That's where him. I think I think people look past him. They quick glance at his page. They see his ERA isn't sparkling in the minor leagues, and then they move on. And I think that's kind of why he gets pushed down when that has no correlation to how you're going to perform in the big leagues. I feel like there have been numerous studies that doesn't show. Give me the K to walk ratio, and I will focus yep. on that every day of the week. Yeah, that, that's why. That's why stats aren't everything. Stats are. I'm not saying they're nothing, but you get there's a lot of other factors with prospects, and it goes you know a lot farther than just the box score. You know, you know metrics deeper down you you know the league factor park factor within the league and like for instance like the, the california league which is a uh, low a was actually even more hitter friendly than the pcl and if people realize that when they see like a, a young pitcher that might be struggling in the cal league or even a hitter might, might be going berserk in the cal league all right you gotta there's almost six runs per team per game average in the cal league so yeah there's a lot, a lot of those other factors that are just like all right you look at the season line they don't always tell the full picture, and that is like exactly the case with Brendan Fott. For sure. Yeah, so a lot of good names down the board. I mean, Trace Sweeney's drop was, yeah, I still value him higher. So like that, Owen White, yeah, Wickleman Gonzalez, saw him this year, really like that. A lot, Jose Gerardo was one I was hoping to get at the end of the draft. I think that's a massive <laughs> upside play. Yeah. Same here, yeah. He so, was like one of those like late-round upside guys I had like kind of – he was one of the guys I pushed up a little higher. As I started seeing the upside guys go, I was like, I want to <laughs> get <move>. him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, knowing that it was ending at, what, pick two, what was the last pick, 280, somewhere around yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, 280. So, yeah, you, you it was worth pushing up a little bit. When you say it's that pushed up, knowing the draft was going to be ending soon, just get your guy. So I think yeah. that's a, a really good strategy to have there. Was there a favorite pick of these? You have a lot of good picks, a lot of picks we've, we've talked about. Is there a favorite, like one favorite that you like the best among your team? 
I love Wilmer Flores. You were talking about the top seven rounds. I took Flores in the eighth round at 107. I think he, him and Fout are my two most underrated pitchers in baseball. He doesn't, the concern with him is he doesn't have a great third pitch yet, but his fastball and curveball are so elite right now for where he's at. I think he can develop a third pitch and it doesn't even have to be a wipeout pitch. It doesn't even have to be an above average pitch. If he can just get a pitch that he can mix into hitters here and there to get him off his curveball, off his fastball, his numbers have been ridiculous in Detroit's system and he's just kind of gone unnoticed and the command on the fastball has gotten better. It touches, I think, 98 and then he pairs out with the curveball. He's borderline unhittable to righties with striking them out. I mean, in high A in just the 19 innings, he had a K per nine of 16.02. And then he got promoted to double A and he followed that up with a 10.22. So like he's been great and I don't think he's talked about enough. So that was probably my favorite pick. I'm getting him in every, I'm in another prospect mock right now. And I took him around 104, I think there too. I'm taking him everywhere. I love Wilmer Flores. Yeah, and I, I've heard a lot of good things you know, from people that have seen him live about Wilmer Flores and I unfortunately missed him when they came here to Portland late in the season I went I went the next day for Reese Olsen but I had a a family birthday party for my little sister Mm -hmm. that was right at the same time I was like I couldn't it was a you know a birthday party you know 1 p.m standard birthday party time and of course it was a Saturday afternoon game when he pitched I'm like I couldn't have been a Saturday night game so I could have made it (laughs) but and I I think he pitched pretty well I think it was like you know five and a third one run eight days something along those lines but yeah, he's definitely a very underrated pitcher. I, I think I even myself am guilty of that. I, I think I don't have him as high as I probably should in my own personal rankings. So something I probably got to reassess here is, you know, Chris and I are going through our, you know, top 20 team by teams. And it really, it's, it's a good way to kind of break it down and in ways that we don't usually do it uh, during the season and see like, oh, wait, why do I have this guy this high or, you know, this low? So I think I got to reassess where I floor it. So, yeah, he's a very talented arm. And if he gets that third pitch, you know, consistently, yeah, yeah he's going to be a pretty, pretty good for Detroit. Yeah, one other, the other guy I liked was Noel V. Marte at 34. That's I a good think. value, yeah. He, he was ranked so high going into the year, and he struggled in the beginning. And, like, I get it, you got to adjust your rankings, but I think the fall has just gone a little bit too far on that. I mean, since the start of June, he hit 297, 386, 509. He had 18 steals since then, double-digit walk rate, K rate under 20%. The numbers were good. And then the trade to Cincinnati, I feel like should have just boosted his value even higher. Playing, if that's going to be his home park, his value should be even higher. So getting him down at 34 was something that I didn't expect to get. And sometimes I saw he was there and I ran that that (laughs) pick and they ran it to the podium if we were in a real draft. Oh, absolutely. As you should have. Yeah, I think he just, we've talked about it too on this show previously about how like the body is just so different now. Like, when he came in to where he is now, it's, he's a lot bigger in a good way, not like overweight. Yeah. He's put on bulk. He's just trying to figure out how to best kind of use that. And he was a very awkward runner uh, out in the AFL. I don't know how much speed he's going to provide. Maybe, you know, I still think that maybe a five to 10 steel guy, maybe he's not going to be 20 plus, but still some speed. But I think that power has a chance to like be 30 plus, especially in Cincinnati now. Obviously, that's, you know, one of the better hitter parks in, in all of baseball. So I think once he kind of figures out how to, you know, all right, I'm, I'm, this is my build now. How do I best use it? I think, yeah, I think he's still going to be a very, very good bat, but maybe not as much speed, but I think it's going to be a ton of power. So, yeah, I'm still very high on uh, Marte, too. I think you got a good he, value there. 
he he's huge. Like he's, oh, he's so jacked. He's yeah. He like I wouldn't want to meet Noelby Marte in a dark alley. Let's say that. <laughs> I mean, he we were would pretty, kick my ass. <laughs> we were pretty close when when he was in the batter's box a couple of times in Arizona and oh yeah, or in the on tech circle especially. And just I think he he bulked up too fast and I, he's still having to adjust his swing a bit. Yeah. Like he's yeah. still trying to figure out how to to swing the bat and get the swing speed back. I think his swing slowed down a bit, which is kind of like. You offset what you think when you add strength, but it'll come back around. And so I think that this is a perfect time to buy low on Novi Marte in, in Dynasty Leagues. 100% agree with that. All right, going to the other side of this now, though, after you saw how the draft kind of unfolded, were there any picks that you thought maybe I could have waited a little bit on that guy or any any picks of regret, so to speak? I don't know about regret. I like Austin Wells a lot, so I don't think I really regret that pick. I got caught up in like catchers were going fast, right? You can, around you can blame round. Drew Wheeler for that. <laughs> yeah, every awesome. every round he was taking a catcher, and I was like, well, I want to get I want to get one I like. I probably didn't need to take him in the fourth round, but I like him. I have him ranked top thirty five. I was talking to Chris last night a little bit. He's my top-ranked catcher behind Alvarez. So I like Wells. I saw him play in Somerville. I think he's going to have real good pull power there in Yankee Stadium. If Obviously, he sticks in Yankee Absolutely. Stadium. He's going to really utilize that portion patient at the plate, and he knows how to protect at the plate. I think I watched one of his at-bats in Somerville. He had, like, it was like a 12-pitch at-bat, and then he finished it off with a home run, pulled over the wall, and it was just, it was impressive to see. And so I really like him, but I don't know if I needed to take him in the fourth round. I just felt pressured more so with all the catchers going. A little later, I probably could have waited on time Madden. I think he's a little underrated in Detroit system, too. I'm not entirely sure why. I didn't take him early, but I took him in the 15th round when maybe. I took Logan Allen next and Cade Povich, so I took a lot of pitchers there. Four and five rounds, so maybe I could have gone with a guy with a little more upside. Watson went that round. He's got upside. I don't know how much I believe in his upside anymore, but he's got it. <laughs> it, um, was a, it was a good flyer, though. Like, like hey, like, wait, go for the upside. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work out, obviously it's a mock, so who cares? But yeah, <laughs> still, I think it's still some upside with Watson. So I think let's yeah. see how he react, kind of reacts in 2023. Yeah. I mean, we'd flash back a year and Watson would have been going in round way higher than where he went now. I wonder so. if I can pull up our... So we did this last year, too. I wonder if I can pull that up. I know the, the league's been deleted, but I wonder if I can find the results. I bet you he probably went, oh, top 50, probably top 50, right? That's what I was going to guess. Probably, I was going to say top four say rounds. Easily, yeah. Yeah, so, and yeah, so that, that was, a, yeah, like I said, late, go for the upside. Obviously, he has the upside. We'll see if he, he can put it all together, but... And I, I love the Austin Wells, but I have him right around, I think... 40, 41, 42, something like that. Love, yeah. So love the power at Yankee Stadium, the, the approach. I think he's going to be very yeah. good. And yeah, there's so many good catchers right now. And I, and I have him, you know, I think everyone goes to Alvarez a little bit. I love Endy. I actually have Endy as my C1 for, for catching prospects. But then Alvarez is right there. Wells is right there. And I'm a big Harry Ford guy. And there's obviously yeah. several others I love. I love so many catching prospects that, <laughs> and yeah, I think Wells kind of gets underrated a little bit because. Some of the other ones, like the younger, flashier ones, are you know, a year or two younger than Austin Wells. But that power in Yankee Stadium is going to be a problem. He's going to be, he could be 30 home runs, yeah. add a little bit of speed in too. He's athletic, not a ton, but add a little bit of speed, five to eight steals, and I think solid enough average and a good OBP. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a very good fantasy asset. Yeah. Another Yankee prospect Chris mentioned that I took was Trey Sweeney. I, 
he just looks like a ball player. I saw him yeah. play, and I know the stats aren't there right now, and he looks like it. He's got the swing. He's got the feel. He just, like, when I watched him play, I was like, this kid has got it if he ever puts it all together. So I liked where I took him later. Yeah, Sweeney's one where he was so underrated, I think, coming out of college to the draft just because it's smaller school type thing. But in college, like, this was – he so among all draftees in the 2021 draft, he was a 99th percentile contact rate, 99th percentile chase rate, 93rd percentile sweet spot, and 96th percentile max EV. Like, that stuff's insane. Like, I think it's really underrated how good he is and can be. But he just got to make a couple of adjustments. And I think he's going to be fine because there's a lot to like. I also saw him. I saw him the first series of the year, like when he was in Hudson Valley. They were down here in Greenville. So I only saw him three games. But even still, like you just watch him play. And I think he's a better bat than people have realized. So yeah, for those reasons, I'm buying pretty low on him in Dynasty right now and thinking that he can really bounce back strong next season. I think he sticks at short, too. I think he looked good at short. I know some people think he's going to move to third, but I think he'll stick at short. Either way, I think he could have value wherever he plays. So he, he's enticing. I think the bat just the bat's going to play. I do, too. Just waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. It'll come. I mean, sometimes it takes guys some adjustment time to before they, they really figure it out and get going. So this will be, I think 2023 will be a telling year for him for sure. I agree. All right. As we wrap up here, Matt, is there a looking at the whole draft board? Is there any particular pick that you would say was like the steal of the draft that maybe wasn't on your team or even maybe a couple that you just really liked that you felt like were really good values? So Bobby Miller's, I like a lot of pitchers. I like a lot of pitchers. I find myself liking more pitchers than hitters even at this point, which I don't know how to feel about that. But Bobby Miller. <laughs> Bobby Miller in the sixth round at 77. I have him ranked in my top 30. I was, the board was coming around and that's where I took Weimer. I was between Weimer, Abel, and Bobby Miller coming because I saw all three were available and then Bobby Miller went. So that made my decision a little bit easier. And then I ended up getting Abel on the wraparound the next round. But I really like Bobby Miller and I think he's underrated. I think he's going to be in the big leagues next year with the Dodgers. Yep. The fastball isn't getting the strikeouts right now that it should, or it doesn't get, it doesn't play as well as it should, but he's got the velocity for it. And I think he just, I don't know what the tweak is, but I think working with the big league pitching staff can really unlock that sometimes for a pitcher. And he's already getting the strikeouts without it. And the command seems to be good. People are worried about it, but the walks aren't very high. And he's another one where the ERA isn't sparkling and so i'm not sure if people are just overrate or overlooking him because of that but i think he's got the stuff and so i really like that pick i think it was jesse picked him six round at 77 so i really like bobby miller that was one that really stuck out yeah he's he's one that's i think really talented and the, the numbers don't really support what a good year he had so yeah. i mean him and gavin stone are both extremely intriguing and you just got to be envious of the dodgers player development scouting and the fact they can go buy any player they want. So, so annoying. High payroll and loaded farm system. I know. I, that's it's like I said, it's the it's the gold standard. It's the best of both worlds. It's 
adding Tampa Bay in with like their development mixed in with like, you know, the George Steinbrenner Yankees spending. It's like they could spend all they want and they've all like still have one of the best farm systems in baseball. <laughs> it's unfair. Usually you could have one or the other. Yeah. Not both. And I hate that they have both because they're going to be, <laughs> that's why they, they've won. I think I looked at the census beginning of, I want to say it was like 2019. It was like the last four or five years. They had like 55 more wins than anybody else. I think next was like Houston Astros and those like not even close. So they've averaged like over a hundred wins per year. And even like that year that in 2020, I think people forget they went like I think 43 and 17. They insane. were on like 119 win pace or something like that. Who knows if, what they would have ended up at, obviously. But yeah, that's the gold standard. And that's why they have two picks from this are, you know, steals of the draft. Someone else was it who said uh, Gavin? Was that Drew that said Gavin Stone or was that Tuma that said Gavin Stone? I, I think it was Tuma. Okay. Yeah. As I said, we got out of the, the three steals of the draft in this episode here. Two of them were Dodgers pitching prospects, one Stone, one Miller. So you got got to like that if you're a Dodgers fan for sure. Yeah, and I mean, just the fact that they've developed pitching. Like Walker Bueller, you look at, I know he was a first-round pick. He's an ace. They've had Kershaw forever. They have Urias forever. They have Gonsolin pitching now, Dustin May. They have a history of doing this, so why not bet on it again? Like they develop yep. them and then they perform for fantasy. So I... Bobby Miller was a great pick, I think. Yeah, it's like, in, and you, you're not going to have, like, argue your ace, Walker Bueller, for the next season, and you still have one of the best. How can you lose a guy like Walker Bueller and still have, arguably, like, a top, at least I'd say top five rotation yeah. in baseball? It's it's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> I'm over here to, like, hoping that James Paxson doesn't die and that Chris Sale can actually do something. <laughs> and maybe we sign somebody and they're over here like, oh, you know, our number five is Tony Gonsal. I'm like, come on, die. I, I'm like annoyed. <laughs> like Houston, nice. Houston, Houston can't fit in Hunter Brown. I'm like, oh, it must be nice. You know, I'm well, I know this, rolling uh, with rotting corpses of James Paxson. You guys are Hunter Brown and Tony Gonsal. That's a little bit how I feel Phillies fans with the Braves. Every guy they call up is like Ricky and Spencer Strider and Michael Harris <laughs> and Vaughn Grissom. And I'm like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing all these guys come yeah, up. So we, we, we can share. We can share in that pain. Yeah. The Braves never have elite prospects, but it's just like they, these dudes just come up and are solid major leaguers. Yeah. So. yeah neither does Houston. Like we talked about earlier. Like they've had some elite guys, but even like Jordan wasn't like a quote unquote elite guy to like the very end for he had that big year. But he would like, you know, before that big breakout the year he got called up, he wasn't like a super blue chip guy. They, they got him for free from the Dodgers. Imagine the Dodgers didn't give away Jordan Alvarez and whatever that deal was. I forget who they got. Some guy that isn't around anymore. But if they held on to Jordan Alvarez, that would have been insane. But um, yeah. And then I'll give you guys my favorite pick from each of your team since I'm on Spencer right. Jones for Chris. I really like yeah, that's another one. Yankee Stadium. I mean, he's flying upwards because I wanted oh, yeah. to take him. And I, I kind of thought Chris was going to take him before I ever got the chance <laughs> on how much Chris loves him. <laughs> but I really like Spencer Jones. And then Kevin Alcantara for our Eric. I like that pick. I don't think, yeah, I, I love the Jones pick for Chris too. Obviously, Jones, that, that profile at Yankee Stadium is. Very nice, and yeah, Kevin Alcant- Alcantara. I I took so popular, <laughs> but they were just yep, they kept following to me. All the guys that I really liked, so <laughs> it wasn't like my plan. But yeah, he. I don't think people realize how good, like how good the talent is there. And he's he's still a bit raw. He's still got you know a little rough around the edges. Got some stuff to work on, obviously. But the talent there and, and good potential park with Wrigley Field, and I think that lineup they're 
they keep adding. I think they're building up to the next like good Cubs team. And yeah, I think it's gonna be a good lineup, good park, good power speed run, a lot of stuff to like there with him. So yeah, yeah. I, that was one of my favorite picks too, personally. How high do you think Spencer Jones is going to go in FYPDs? I think you could see him as high as like I think I think the, the top four are there, and then you could probably you'll probably see Senga go up there, but I think after that he's in play. I think he's I was right say in top ten easily. Yeah, I oh, think yeah, he's I think... he's right in that tier with with Collier, with Cross, with Parada, you know, with I put the louder in that tier. I know some people don't, but he's right. I think he's right in that tier with a lot of those college bats. So. Right, kind of tier two, so to speak. But I could see him go as high as maybe five. I don't think he'll break top four, but any anywhere from five on, I think he's definitely in play. And if I have a pick in that range, I'm gonna be very tempted to take him because that profile again, very very intriguing stadium. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I, there's just that big tier. Like I think you have your top four, and then after that, there's there's a kind of a tier. I like Cam Collier at five, too. but you yeah. can go a lot of different directions. So yeah, I think the sweet spot's gonna be like that eight or nine range if you can get spencer jones and then right. come back in the second and get a solid player too I'm yeah and see like see who falls from that tier like who's left somebody maybe, will maybe i wouldn't be surprised if collier fell i won't be any of them really i'm gonna be surprised or if you want to get Senga there he might be there if you want to win now thing this is, yeah i think getting like the back end top 10 would be very intriguing you can get a, a guy in the, in the teens you know 17 18 range whatever yeah this would be a fun spot to be in fypds yeah i kind of either want to be at like two or three or nine or ten there's like yeah no in between like at I'm three pro- you can get whichever guy falls but like jones is gonna be number one then three you can take holiday or, or green or tomorrow i guess like either yeah. any one of those so maybe yeah. even four i don't want to be five let's put it that way i don't want to be like five <laughs> six because i don't want to have to like make that decision i want to like i want it made for me like somebody take all the other guys and i'll take the jones or the collier or gavin cross whoever's still there so yeah, I think this would be a fun spot to be in. It's going to be a fun FYPD. I think this is a very, very good class, so especially with, the, with those bats at the top. So, But that's going to wrap us up. Matt, thanks for joining us. I'll give you a second here to plug all the good stuff you're doing. Yeah, well, as we mentioned earlier, I'm joining Pitcherlet, so I'm still writing for Fantrax, doing some articles. I'm working right now to trying to shift over toward league-specific articles, so I'm doing one trying to find values for starting pitchers in points leagues, and then I'm Gonna, I've started to work on some research for how to attack bullpens and saves and holds leagues, some guys to target what to do in drafts. I'll keep working on my XWRC plus and then getting into the dynasty stuff over at Pitcher List with Chris, working on some articles, some player write-ups, some rankings, things like that. Excited to get my feet really wet in that and get going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, very knowledgeable. Good, good guy. So we have him here at, at you know, Fantrax will be at Pitcher List with Chris as well. So definitely give him a follow. You can follow him on Twitter at heck underscore Matt 115. Again, Matt, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Have a good night. Bye. All right. That's going to wrap us up for this episode. This was a lot of fun. A lot of good talking here, strategy and, and player picks. And guess what? We're going to have part two of this episode absolutely we get four or five maybe six it's gonna be a loaded episode another mock draft recap from this coming out next monday so tune in for that we'll be recording that this weekend can't wait for that too but that is gonna wrap us up thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode we hope you enjoyed it you can follow us on twitter chris that rotoclag i am at eric cross zero four and of course check out our patreon and our youtube as well 
and join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. 